Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are listening to this. This is Kofi Adebwayan, and you are locked into episode number four of the Deep Dive Discipleship Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the discipleship crisis in the 21st century and charting a biblical way forward. Guys, I am so excited to be back on with you on the podcast. Yes, I know this episode is a little late. I apologize. I apologize. Life happened. Had a bunch of stuff going on. Some of which is actually germane to our topic for today. But it's just good to be back behind the mic and being able to have a conversation with you like we normally do here on the podcast. As you may have gathered from the title and maybe you've seen the album art that was put out for this. We're going to talk about preaching on this episode of the show. Now, preaching is not necessarily on topic for what we talk about here on the podcast, though I do think it has some implications and we'll get into that as we go. But for this particular episode, this was not in my plans. My plans actually was to do an episode on the concept of the means of grace. But for this particular episode, I decided to hit pause on that because an issue came up a few weeks ago that really my wife will tell you if she's listening to this it really stuck in my crawl i was annoyed beyond measure with this issue and so i decided you know what i'm gonna record a podcast and get some of my thoughts and feelings on this subject kind of you know out there i want to talk about preaching and in particular i want to talk about what true preaching is because i'm convinced that there's a lack of understanding as to what preaching is and what preaching is in the context of ministry. Now, full disclosure, I am a church planter in Southern Oregon. I am involved in preaching weekly. I spend about 20 to 25 hours a week in sermon preparation. I'm currently preaching through the letter to the Galatians. In fact, by the time of this recording, I'm going to be in Galatians 2, 11 to 21 next Sunday. So I am a preacher. I am an expository preacher. I believe in making the point of the text, the point of the sermon, unfolding and unpacking that text and allowing Christ to be seen through the proclamation of the scriptures, all of the scriptures. So full disclosure, that's where I'm coming from. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, this is a podcast from a guy who is in the broadly reformed tradition. So a lot of my understanding and emphases come from that realm. You may agree with me, you may not agree with me, that's fine. But just so you know where I'm coming from. In this episode, I want to borrow a definition of preaching with full attribution by an author called Abraham Kuruvia, K-U-R-U-V-I-A-A. Dr. Kuruvia is a dermatologist, actually, by trade. And when he's not a dermatologist, he's also a professor of pastoral ministries at Dallas Seminary. So, uberly smart guy. He's written a couple of books on preaching that have actually been really helpful to me personally as a budding preacher. And one of those books was a book he wrote called A Vision for Preaching, where he kind of broke down his definition of biblical preaching and went into some detail on that, which was really, really helpful to me. In this episode, we're going to look at his nine part definition. I'm going to give it to you all at once and then we're going to break it down some. He gives, like I said, a lengthy definition and then breaks it down into nine parts. And I think that as we think about the task of biblical preaching is going to make sense of why I think preaching is important and why some of the rather scandalous things we've heard in the last few weeks in relation to the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention plagiarizing his sermons, why that's not acceptable, just to put it mildly. And I can say that even though he's a man who's my senior and so I should tread carefully, I will tread carefully, but at the same time, 
he needs to pay attention to the fact that preaching is important. So with that in mind, here's a definition that Abraham Kuruvia gives in his wonderful book, A Vision for Preaching. He says, quote, biblical preaching by a leader of the church in a gathering of Christians for worship is the communication of the thrust of a pericope of scripture discerned by theological exegesis and of its application to that specific body of believers that they may be conformed to the image of Christ for the glory of God in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pause and take a drink. Nice. Biblical preaching by a leader of the church in a gathering of Christians for worship is the communication of the thrust of a pericope of scripture discerned by theological exegesis and of its application to that specific body of believers that they may be conformed to the image of Christ for the glory of God all in the power of the spirit that's a lot so let's break that down some and again Dr. Caruvilla in his wonderful book helps us out in that regard with a nine point breakdown and we're going to just take a few moments. I'm not going to spend too long on this, I hope, and just work through these nine points. And then I'm going to make some points of implication and then we'll be done. This won't be a really long affair, but let's hit it. Number one, preaching, Dr. Corvia says, is biblical. It's biblical. It derives its topic matter from scripture. It derives its emphases from scripture. It derives its applications from scripture. It has scripture's central theme as its theme. That alone disqualifies so much preaching that you hear nowadays. So much preaching that you hear in wider evangelicalism is not driven by biblical concerns. It's driven by audience concerns. Now, we can't divorce the audience from the biblical teaching. Of course we can't. And yet, the audience doesn't determine the agenda in preaching. God determines the agenda in preaching. The people in front of me are important, and I'll talk more about this in a moment. As I'm preparing, I'm preparing with them in mind. And yet, I'm not letting them tell me what they want to hear. It is God, I don't even get to tell them what they want to hear. God tells us what we are to hear from his word. I can pray and see, okay, which book of the Bible would be best, or what doctrine from his word would be best. But at the end of the day, I have nothing to offer in preaching, because true preaching flows out of a commitment to the biblical text so first and foremost preaching is biblical it's biblical in the sense that the bible commands us to do it second timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 we are to preach the word 1 corinthians chapter 2 paul talks about his own ministry and says that he was determined to preach the gospel to them it is highly important that we understand that this thing called preaching is not just a tradition that's handed down to us by some guys who did know how to fill an hour. No, preaching is a God-ordained and biblical means. So that's the first thing. Preaching is biblical. But secondly, not only is preaching biblical, it's pastoral. It's pastoral. So again, think back to Dr. Kruvia's definition biblical preaching by a leader of the church now that's not to say that lay people can't preach and that you know the only people who are qualified to preach are elders i know there are some traditions that teach that i don't think that's necessarily biblical i would agree with my reformed baptist brethren that there are certain people who can be gifted brothers who are not necessarily elders but they have the ministry assignment of preaching and teaching and so they can exercise that gift for the benefit of their body and other bodies as well 
So I'm, I'm not saying that. But typically speaking, preaching is a leadership function. By which we mean you are shepherding the flock. You are not just stepping up in the pulpit and doing your own thing, but rather true biblical preaching is designed to be a means of feeding and taking care of and even guarding the flock of God. If we fail to understand that, we'll just think of preaching as, oh boy, it's just this thing I've got to do. There's so many other things I have to do as a pastor, but this thing I just need to kind of just get get it over and done with. Actually, I would argue that if you're a pastor or church leader or someone who's involved in the ministry of preaching and teaching, that's top of the list of your jobs, actually. If you've you've got so many things going on that you can't devote the time and the work to preaching, again, I can say this and it sounds, I know, it sounds a little idealistic on my part. But if that's indeed the case, might I suggest that you get rid of some other stuff so that you can focus on this? Just a thought. How about focusing on this thing, which is the most important thing we do? Why? Because we are commanded by Christ that we are to feed his flock. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, Paul writes to the Ephesian elders. And as he writes to the Ephesian elders, he, well, not writes, he speaks to them. He's on the beach there and he makes it very clear. I might not see you guys again. So Paul just kind of lays it all on the line. Like, oh, what's some important things I need to share with you. And in Acts chapter 20, we read these words from Paul. Acts 20 and verse 28, Paul says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. Literally feed the church of God, which he bought after his own blood. The church's role or the leaders of the church's role, I should say, among other things, is to feed the flock of God, which God purchased with his own blood. It's not that we... You know, we are an administrator and we're a middle manager and we're all this other stuff. Oh, and I happen to preach. It's no, I shepherd the flock by preaching. Yes, you also shepherd the flock by your presence and by your concern for the flock, by all means. I'm not saying that you just become a preaching station. I'm not saying that. But preaching is a pastoral function. And so for the life of me, I can't understand how it is that a preacher can borrow somebody else's sermons, not really think about his own congregation, the people in front of him, and that be pastoral i just don't understand it to be really honest but i'm trying not to hit that topic way too much third not only is preaching biblical not only is it pastoral third it's ecclesial that's the word he uses that's the definition he gives ecclesial so biblical preaching by a leader of the church in a gathering of christians for worship when we gather do we think of preaching as worship if i can get on my soapbox and rant for a little bit i hate the fact that we call the musical part of our gathering together worship and then we stopped worshiping and now we're preaching from the minute we have the i don't know in your church in my church we have a call to worship from the minute we have a call to worship congratulations we are now in worship the singing is worship the public reading of scripture is worship the pastoral prayers are worship the preaching of the word when we have the Lord's table, the seeing of the word, all of those things are worship. And if we understand that all of those things are worship, then the preaching moment becomes an act of worship as well. It's worship through the word. 
And if we fail to understand that preaching then in the church context is an act of worship, it's an act of congregational worship, then you're going to downplay the role of preaching. You'll say, well, we can get away with not having preaching. You know, I just go to church for the community. I just go to church because I like the people. But the whole preaching deal, oh, I don't know if I'm down with all of that. That's just somebody lecturing at me. No, 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 no. Actually, God has designed that. Preaching builds up the body. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, as Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he's giving them this great and grand vision for what the body of Christ looks like in the power of the spirit through the gospel. This is what Paul says, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what true preaching does. And that's an ecclesial function. That's a body life function. Preaching doesn't get in the way of developing body life. It enhances our body life. And so preaching is biblical. Preaching is pastoral. And preaching is also ecclesial. Fourthly, preaching is communicational. Preaching is communicational. So go back to that definition from Dr. Kuruvia. Biblical preaching by a leader of the church in a gathering of Christians for worship is the communication of a thrust of a pericope of scripture. You know, this thing we do call preaching is not just I get up and I read my Bible and I sit down. No, we're trying to actually communicate something here. We use words and sentences and we develop structures and ideas I was at a preaching workshop in the few weeks that have passed since the last episode. And my good friend Mike Abendroth from Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boston, Massachusetts was the instructor. And in this workshop, we made a very good point, which is that in preaching, what we say is the most important thing. You know, we want, again, preaching is first and foremost biblical. So the content of the scripture, of course, is important. But in addition to that, how we say it is important. And so as preachers, we work hard, I hope, on our delivery, how we say things, how things are put together. Why? Because preaching is an act of communication. You know, the word, the words used in the Bible to describe preaching, they speak to announcement, to proclamation, to heralding. You know, one of the things that bugs me at times about when the way some of us talk about preaching is, well, somebody just shared today. No, it's not just my random thoughts I'm sharing with you. In the preaching moment, what's actually taking place is that there is a work of the Spirit of God through a human instrument. That the human instrument is actually trying to declare. He's trying to herald. He's trying to speak forth. He's not just well, let's just have a conversation and relax. No, there's an authority that comes with that method of communication. That's why in some theological traditions, they talk about the preaching of the word of God being the word of God. Not that we become suddenly inspired, but in that moment, God is speaking to his people by his word. And to the degree that we miss that, our preaching becomes weak, anemic and ineffective. Fifthly, preaching is theological.
preaching is theological. So did you catch that in the definition? That biblical preaching by a leader of the church in a gathering of Christians for worship is the communication of the thrust of a pericope of scripture discerned by theological exegesis. Now, that term pericope might be new to some of you. Pericope just means a section or a passage. So it's the communication of a thrust of a passage of scripture discerned by theological exegesis. Well, Kofi, what on earth does any of that mean? Simply put, that the thing we are communicating in preaching is the basic idea. Haddon Robinson in his book, Biblical Preaching, calls this the big idea. The big idea of a text of scripture, a passage of scripture, a pericope of scripture. And how do you determine that big idea? You exegete the passage. Exegesis is simply the concept of digging out of the text, the meaning of the passage. So through the implement of exegesis, we are getting to understand what is the theology of the passage in front of us. We live in an age that's very anti-theological. I'm actually going to have a whole show where we talk about the importance of theology for discipleship. But we live in an age where people are so anti-theological. And that comes in even to preaching, where we think that preaching is just about making people feel a type of way or getting them to do something. I've come to the conclusion that in my preaching, my job is not to make people do something. First and foremost, my job is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, to lift him up so that he is made much of. And also it's to proclaim the good news found in Jesus Christ. And that becomes the motivation by which people live lives of gratitude and service and obedience to Christ. I'm not here to try and bend people's will to do something that they shouldn't or they don't want to do. Rather, I believe that true biblical preaching exists for the purpose of lifting up Jesus. And that as in the words of 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 3, as we behold the Lord Jesus Christ, we are transformed from one realm of glory to another. And so that doesn't happen without there being understanding what a text of scripture is teaching and the doctrine that flows out of it. I like how John MacArthur has described it. It's theologically driven Bible exposition. But for that to be of any importance, you have to actually care about theology. You have to actually care about doctrine. You have to actually care about some of these ideas. Because if you don't care about some of these ideas, you'll just sit there and think, oh, here goes Pastor again talking about that justification stuff. Why? Oh, great. He's talking about the Trinity. Why? Why can't he just give me stuff to do? That's not his job. And unfortunately, I think so many preachers have fed into this myth at times that what well, our job is to give people a helping nugget for Monday morning. Uh, no, that's a very law driven understanding of preaching. And guess what? The more you saddle people with things to do, the more they don't do them. Either they go down the route of self-righteousness, where it's like, well, look at me. I have mastered all of these things. Or they go down the route of, oh, heavens, I can't do any of this. Like Another thing to do. I can't, I can't do the five things you told me to do last week. Like, what in the world? No, 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 no. True preaching is theological in the sense that it lifts up the person and the work of Christ and out of him, this dual grace that flows from him, both the power for pardon and the power for sanctification, that through him, we're able to live lives that glorify God. That's what true preaching does. Now, that being said, next point, true preaching is applicational. 
true preaching is applicational so while we're not preaching in such a way as to simply just give people things to do true preaching is going to speak to the lives of those to whom we minister it is going to have an impact on the way that they live the question is what is the power behind that i would argue the power behind that is the gospel the power behind that is not just the force of will or basically saying you will do this or else or threatenings or any such things no the thing that empowers our obedience is the gospel Calvin in his institutes refers to this concept as the duplex gratia, the double grace, that the believer receives Christ not just for pardon from sin, but also power and sanctification. And when we talk about application and we talk about the you know, implications of a text for all of life, we have to be sure that we tether those to the gospel message. Otherwise, we're just going to give people a bunch of moralistic instructions that they can't obey. Or we'll go down the route of basically creating a system of self-righteousness where you kind of earn your favor with God by what you do. Neither of those is helpful ultimately in the spiritual life. And so when we think about preaching and we think about what it is that we're trying to achieve in the preaching moment, true preaching is applicational, application that flows out of the gospel message. Related to this point, number seven, Dr. Kuruvia describes preaching as being conformational conformational so again let's go back to his definition that he gave us biblical preaching by a leader in the church in a gathering of christians for worship is the communication of the thrust of a peric of a pericope of scripture discerned by theological exegesis and of its application to that specific body of believers that they may be conformed to the image of christ okay so let's talk about this for a little bit because this now we're starting to tie in a little bit more with our theme of discipleship when we talk about what preaching is designed to do, preaching is designed, among many things, to help us come into greater conformity to the image of Christ. If you're wondering, okay, Kofi, where you get that in the text of Scripture? Glad you asked. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the way of life that the Ephesians used to live by, verses 17 through 19. But when he gets to talking about how it is that the believer changes, how it is that the believer is transformed, how the work of sanctification that the spirit brings about brings forth holy living. I love how he puts this in Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to read from verse 17, kind of give us a running start. And then verse 20, I want you to note something there. So Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardening of heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. But look what he says in verse 20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, in accord with the truth that is in Jesus. Paul says that when you heard the preaching about Christ, when you heard the preaching of the word of God, what that did was it showed you that hmm, I can't live like that anymore. How can I live like that? If that's what I've been saved from, if that's what I've been delivered from, how can I go on living like that? No, there's a new way of life empowered by the gospel and by the spirit of God. That's how I live now. 
And in true preaching, true preaching is conformational. It is bringing about conformity to the image of Christ. And that's where I think this topic does intersect a little bit with our regular theme of discipleship. Because what we see is that the disciple can't be a disciple without the ministry of the word of God, both private and public. And so there can't be that conforming to the image of Christ that, as Romans chapter 12 says, you know, being not being transformed, but being, um, in fact, let me not misquote it. Romans chapter 12, while I've got my Bible in my hand here, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verses one and two, that we are not to conform to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That can't happen outside of the faithful preaching of God's word. That's why the preaching of God's word is so important. So preaching is biblical, pastoral, ecclesial, communicational, theological, applicational, confirmational. Number eight, it's doxological. It's doxological. We preaching happens. Preaching is designed by God to bring him the maximum glory. Through the proclamation of the saving work of Jesus Christ and through the proclamation of the truth as found in the scriptures, the believer grows, unbelievers are converted. And who gets the glory in all of that? Not us. No, not us. It's God who gets all the glory. And so forms of preaching or even I would say even styles of preaching that draw attention not to the scriptures and not to the Lord Jesus but to the person preaching and their style or their humor or their ability to engage in this or that kind of um, rhetorical flair those things I would argue detract from God's glory they don't add to it Paul could say that he preached not with convincing words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration, of the demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith would not be in man, but would be in the power of God. And so true preaching seeks to bring God glory. And I think that feeds into the final definition that Dr. Kruvia gives us about preaching, which is that preaching is spiritual. That this act of preaching doesn't just happen with our minds, but it takes place all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, there cannot be true and effective preaching. And I think this is a component in preaching that is often missed. That beyond just doing the work of exegesis and homiletics and putting it together and making it sound nice, we who preach and teach God's word have to regularly, regularly be praying that God would be faithful in using this very flawed method of humans trying to proclaim his word, that he would use it to bring about transformation in the life of God's people. And so that's what preaching is in a nutshell. And again, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of Dr. Kuruvia's book, uh, A Vision for Preaching. It will be in the show notes. Highly recommend that to you. But now for a few moments, I want to talk about some implications of this in light of his recent scandal regarding a preacher plagiarizing his, well, multiple sermons from a couple of different sources, as far as we can tell. First of all, I think it's telling that... For some people, this was not that big a deal. 
I mean, I lost track of how many times on social media I saw people say, it's not that big a deal. This isn't a term paper. He doesn't have to put footnotes in everything. Well, okay, no, you don't. That being said, it's very easy as a public speaker to make it clear when you are borrowing from someone. You can say so-and-so said. That that works. You you don't have to give like full footnotes. We're not reading a paper here. We understand that. But the fact that the sanctifying work of study that the preacher does seem to be so lost on people to the extent that as they as this conversation was going on, people, it's not that big a deal. Why are we stressing out about this? There are bit it's like, okay, that just goes to show that I think preaching in our day and age has really hit a hard time. We even in circles where we would say we prize preaching, I think at times we kind of feel self-conscious about, oh, do we have to pay so much attention to that? Can't, can't I, like, you know, focus on something else? Can't we talk about something else? Do we have to focus all the time on preaching? Well, actually, when we gather in worship, and this is going to be a segue into our next episode, when we gather together in worship, that's a means of grace. Those are means to quote the Westminster Shorter Catechism of the Spirit of the benefits of christ being communicated to us by the spirit and so when we gather together for preaching preaching is a serious business and a preacher who is so busy that he's having to go well i have a team of people to help me prepare my sermons because i'm so busy come on at some stage we have to acknowledge that the preaching task has not been that important to you if you're really willing to just as it were give that up so that you can do other things second of all I think in our day and age, we've lost the fact that a preacher is not here just to make you feel good. A preacher is here to give, yes, comfort that comes through Christ, but also to provide conviction, to provide education. I don't think it's by accident that we have seen a decline in preaching, in my opinion, in the last 15 to 20 years. And at the same time, we've also seen a rise of biblical literacy. That things that once upon a time Christians would never have agreed to, they now agree to. Why? Because we have failed in our duty, those of us who stand in the pulpit, to make the pulpit a place not just of comfort and correction, but also a place of teaching, a place of instruction. You should go to church. Let me just put this out there in this podcast. Let me put this out there. You should go to church and expect to be stretched in some way, shape or form. You should go to church and sit under the preaching and it should make you think. And if you're in a place where the preaching has stopped making you think, you need to ask yourself, okay, what am I not doing? And maybe what is he not doing as he stands in the pulpit? At some point, we should be able to say, you know what? As I'm sitting under the ministry of the word, it's forcing me to think about things that I've not thought about before. It's If God were to confront me right now in all of his person, I would come away with some stuff to think about. But why is it that I'm hearing preaching and it's not being effectual for me? I mean, let's just call a spade a spade on that one. My final thought on this subject of preaching relates to what I like to call the tyranny of everything else. The tyranny of everything else. And I've kind of touched on this, but I want to devote some thoughts to this as we just have a we're just having a conversation today i don't have notes in front of me maybe you can tell i'm just kind of talking about this it's telling to me that so many people have the expectation in church that a pastor is everything but a preacher 
Nowadays, he's a middle manager, he's an admin person, he's a politician, you know, he kisses babies and does photo, you know, moments, you know, he's the visiting guy. And again, I'm not saying that all of those elements of shepherding are not important, you know, visitation and ministry and all, and personal ministry, those things are vital. But I would put it to you that a preacher who is effectively giving himself to the study of the word and the preparation necessary for the ministry of the word will be better at those tasks, not worse. Why? Because as the word of God is regularly coursing through him as he's preparing and study, it becomes a part of him. When he visits, he's able to speak from the word of God. When he's in the hospital room, he knows how to give a word of comfort from the gospel that he has studied and he's prepared, prepared to preach, excuse me. Like, it's so vital that we free ministers from the tyranny of everything else. And I, I want to say a word to lay people in the audience as someone who's been a lay person for a very long time and is now making that slow transition from being a quote unquote lay person to being somebody involved in ministry. I have found that it is so easy to put all kinds of expectations on the pastor so that we just turn up in our very consumeristic Western mindset. Well, his job is to do all the work. I just come and participate. And then we have the nerve to complain when he's not up to standard. Well, maybe he's not up to standard because he's doing a bunch of jobs that you should be doing. Ouch. <laughs> I don't mean to be harsh when I say that, but it's the truth. And I'll put it to you that we as lay people, you know, we who are involved in ministry, we need to ensure that those who are tasked with the ministry of the word are not burdened by this administrative task, burdened by this ancillary concern, but they are focused on the main thing, which is prayer and the ministry of the word. And if you need a scripture for that, Acts 6 and 4. Like I said, I just wanted to have a conversation today on preaching. Like this may have seemed like I was just kind of going because really I was. I, I, did, I didn't have notes in front of me. I didn't have a super structured thing I wanted to talk about. I really just wanted to have a conversation about what preaching is and some thoughts about mod the modern conversation on preaching. But I'm interested to hear from you. Are there things that I could have said or not said? Are there perspectives I'm not thinking about when it comes to preaching? What are your own thoughts on preaching? Have you found yourself in the place where you know you're maybe less enthused by preaching than you once were or maybe you've come to see the validity and importance of it i want to hear from you because we will come back to this on a future episode and i do want to take some of the your emails and thoughts on this subject so with that you've been listening to the deep Dive discipleship podcast for more information including bible study lessons and sermons that i've taught you can go to the website that is deepdivediscipleship.com deepdivediscipleship.com you can also email me at kofi at fiery logic that's f-i-e-r-y logic.com fiery logic.com also you can hit me up on social media i am on twitter facebook instagram i think that's the ones i'm on i may be on some other ones as well but i don't know but you can find me on all of those at a cup of kofi and the show has its own accounts as well we are on Twitter at the D3 pod, the D number three pod. And we're also on Instagram at deep dive discipleship until next time. Don't stay in the shallows. Let's dive deep. God bless.